Hi and welcome to the Msingi Talks podcast, a podcast hosted by Msingi Trust. This podcast ventures deeper into issues of faith, advocacy, activism, and makes connections between these worlds. Psalms 89.14 states that justice and righteousness are the foundation of God's throne. And here we unpack how the church as the body of Christ and institution can faithfully embody justice and righteousness in both word and deed. Karibuni and let's do justice. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day, good night to everyone who's listening to us. This is, and welcome to the Msingi Talks podcast, a podcast where we make the connections between faith, activism, advocacy, and all things social justice and faith. And today I am so very honored to host a friend, a sister, who I've met through the Inverse uh, community. And if if you're never heard of the Inverse podcast, please uh, have, have a listen to the Inverse podcast. There are amazing people on that podcast and we are also part of the Inverse uh, community. So that's a great place to meet amazing people and to share um, with our siblings from all over the world. I am hosting the amazing Pastor Sarah Quint. <laughs> drum roll. I'm sure someone is, is doing drum roll. <laughs> but uh, it's an honor, Sarah, to be in conversation with you. And I would ask you to please introduce yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Carol. Oh, it's so good to be here today. And to the listeners, hello, Wingapo. Um, I'm so grateful to be in conversation with you all today. I hope what we talk about is uh, medicine to your heart and your spirit. Carol, you're such a dear sister to me. Um, And we were just talking about how we're feeling um, excited to finally have almost just a one-on-one opportunity to talk with each other. This is a real gift. My name is Sarah Quint. Um, I am a pastor, a co-pastor of a church in present-day Monroe, Michigan in the United States. Uh, this is the land of the Potawatomi, who called this place Michigama, um, mm-hmm. and I'm on the River Numasepe, uh, which is now uh, called the R- River Raisin. Um, so that's my current location. Um, I have two little boys who are River and Reed, and they are the absolute light of my life. Um, and they're they're full of just they're at that perfect age of. Um, still being all boy and having a full imagination and play and still loving their mama and <laughs> being, being okay to hold my hand in public <laughs> and all those good things. They're still like, mommy, hold my hand. Yes. Until, <laughs> at that point, it'll be like, no, mommy, no. Right. Well, right. So right now I'm soaking it up. Yes. <laughs> I'm soaking oh. it up. Sarah, I, I always love it when, um, when I hear you speak in your native tongue. Yes. Yeah. Can I introduce myself that way? Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. Yes. So um, what Carol is uh, hinting at. So although I'm here in present day Michigan, um, in Potawatomi territory, um, I'm actually a Mattapanai from the East Coast of present day uh, United States in Virginia. Um, we call that territory Sinacomica. So I'd love to introduce myself in my native tongue. And that's important because um, our native tongue is technically um, at a point of extinction. So we have a few words, we have a few phrases um, with much (laughs) trial and suffering. I was able to work with um, some elders and people in my tribe much wiser than me um, Mm -hmm. to piece together an introduction. Um, And it helps to kind of just place me, locate me and say, I didn't get here on my own. Um, yeah. I'm here because of my ancestors and the way that they persevered uh, against all odds. So, Wingana Goa, Neteri Wins, Sarah Quint, Nek Dana Castello, Nohom Jean Castello, Noxom Otho Castello, Noxom Mamane Towik Pawete, Wahon Senaka, Denapewak, Matoponi Anirne Nawa, Senakomaka Anirne Nawa. So, what I said there is hello, my name is Sarah Quint. Um, I introduced um, some of my ancestors, including my mother and grandparents, uh, Chief Powhatan being my 10th uh, great-grandfather, 
I am from the Mattapani tribe in present day uh, Virginia, which is Sinacomica. So thank you for letting me introduce myself in that way. And to all the other indigenous people listening around the globe, um, Wingana hello. I think for me, what um, the inverse community has opened up is especially the, the vastness and the beauty of souls and uh, territories and uh, lands mm -hmm. that are inhabit that were inhabited and are inhabited or have been also colonized yeah. by by indigenous or, no lands tribes tongues of indigenous people and also mm -hmm. their recognition that um, land and people and personhood is very sacred and to yes. honor that that has been a gift um of the inverse for community. Sure. So today it feels like a plug for the inverse community. <laughs> you know i have met some of my dearest of friends through this community and in the unlikely time of the pandemic when it feels like the whole world is shut down my social yeah. circle circle is growing and so i'm thankful for that and the feeling of us being at home being with siblings and being mm -hmm. with like-minded people because especially for people who are struggling with the way the world is and yes. their faith and the all of that it's important for us to have a community of like-minded people in a world where we are the the weird ones <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny when you're in that um setting that you don't feel so weird because we've we've gathered all of us together and in that setting we're we're quite normal and it, it feels yeah. wonderful to it feels wonderful to be normal in a space <laughs> yeah so um as part as well of introduction to you sarah and before we uh we delve into the very heavy topic that we are going to 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 be talking about we we are we'll be exploring about Um, the, pay, the current pain in the world, the pain that was, the pain that is, the pain that we'll see coming, the, the very many empires that, um, that are coming to compete for the soul of the, of the world. Mm -hmm. But also, how do we live in this? How do we live when there's so much uh, pain and hurt and heartbreak with... Um, with no sign of reprieve, honestly. So yeah. before we get to that, I'd like to hear from you. What is the one thing that brings you joy mm -hmm. in the world? Anything. It could be anything. anything that brings you joy. What is that thing that came to mind that brings you joy? I think the first, I'm just going to go with my first instinct, the first thing that popped up. So uh, what has always brought me joy is just passion in people when they are just thoroughly impassioned by what they're doing. Um, and so it can be any like art form. It can be uh, any type of uh, type of craft or skill or whatever. But if they just have a burning passion for something and they live that out, when I see people that are passionate and fully just um, living in their purposes and uh, using it to serve the world, it's, it brings me a lot of joy. And I often um, am inspired by inspired people. Um, and so if I'm writing or um, trying to create a sermon or I, I design as well, I'm an interior designer. That's one of the ways I make my living. Um, <laughs> if I'm feeling a little dry, I can literally watch any show, whether it's like American Idol or The Voice or something and see people that are just great at their craft and passionate or something completely uh, off from that. Um, if somebody's just passionate, I can almost feel that energy, feel that vibe, and I can get inspired in my own um, crafts and skills, even if it has nothing to do with them. I just kind of uh, ride that wave. <laughs> so it always brings yeah. me joy. <laughs> nice. I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, passion is what is transferable. Like I feel yes. you can, like you can see and sense like yeah that person is passionate and you want to join in into that what yeah. what brings you deep sadness and deep grief 
Maybe these things are related, um, but I've always um, been grieved most by disunity. And whether it's in families or churches um, and within people groups around the globe, um, when people are fractured and there's warring and there's animosity, um, when there's not peace, uh, that brings me the greatest grief. Um, I, I can't rest if, if something in my personal space is like that. I, I um, will seek out peace. Um, and sometimes that, not in always a peaceful way, sometimes that's the hard conversations um, yeah. and the setting of boundaries and all those types of things. But I, um, yeah, it's the disunity that brings me the most, uh, the most grief. And I think those might be related though, because passion is like connection and yeah. the disunity is disconnection. You know what I mean? It's almost like we've lost that when we lose connection with God or each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. And today's topic is a lot about disunity, a lot mm -hmm. about connection, about all that. How, as an indigenous uh, woman, how did you, what's your journey to pastorhood and how do you juggle your indigenous traditional um, heritage and uh, Christianity, which in, in many ways uh, contributed to the loss of, of lives uh, mm -hmm. in setting the loss of identity, the loss of culture. How do you bring those two worlds together? And what has your, what has your journey been in that? <laughs> yeah, those are great and honest questions. And um, I get that often because I think everyone knows just how <laughs> obvious it is. It almost seems that Christianity and indigeneity are like oil and water. Um, like they shouldn't mix. And I, and I see that from different perspectives for um, like fundamentalist Christians, they might look at indigeneity and see it as um, sacrilege, as uh, something that is inherently evil uh, and pagan and needs to be uh, done away with, not even redeemed, but completely done away with. And assimilation is the only answer um, for us to be saved. Um, and we see what the church, specifically the Western church, um, the European church has, how they have mishandled the gospel and how it has founded a nation um, in the guise of one nation under God, um, in the guise of this land was vast and clear and empty and ripe for the picking for them. Um, and it was going to be settled for God. Uh, but we know that it was really the thief who came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what happened and is still happening um, in Turtle Island, which is what my people will call uh, the United States. So you have that viewpoint. Um, but you also, I don't, I, I guess my journey has been, um, I'm in a place of freedom now, but that is only recent in the last few years. So when I first came to know Christ, my mother is um, Madapanai, and my father um, is of European descent of um, English, Irish, and German descent. And he was actually an atheist, and she was actually um, a believer. And uh, it was the Southern Baptist Association who um, were the first missionaries onto our reservation, um, once we were reserved, I should say. Before that, you know, it was the Church of England, and um, but when um, we came to our reservation, it was the Southern Baptist group that came through and began to um, proselytize. So if you know anything about that, you know, denomination, that's very much what our group was founded in. And so you saw a very big split of those who became devout um, followers of that uh, denomination and that way of thinking and worldview. Um, and they pretty much were running away from um, the traditional ways. And then you had those who bucked that completely and said, no, 
uh, look what what look what Christianity has done to our nation. I refuse to to follow that. So you see that split. My mother, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, my mother was a uh, singer, a Southern gospel singer, uh, professional with her family, and so. They, her whole like raising, she was traveling around the East Coast, singing every weekend at different churches and revivals, um, didn't have much of a childhood in a, in a normal sense of being with friends. She loved it, though. She um, she has fond memories of it all. She was very um, naive to the world um, and very protected. Um, when she met my father, though, uh, after she grew up, um, he was an atheist and she uh, kind of lost her faith and went down that road. So I did not grow up in a Christian household. Um, and it wasn't until I moved, uh, away from our traditional territory and further South in the United States, deeper into what we call the Bible belt, which is just a place where, um, it's part of the culture that everyone just goes to church. It's just assumed you're a Christian. Um, and we all go to church and my first day of school, um, as the new kid, I was very nervous and I walked in and was hoping I would find friendly faces and a bunch of little girls came up to me, um, and said, hi, what's your name? Where are you from? You know, who are you? And I told them, and they, the next question was, and where do you go to church? <laughs> and this was in third grade. <laughs> so to tell you that how deeply a part of the culture well, was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, I, we didn't go to church, you know, we weren't we weren't believers. And so I, I was so taken back and I told them, I don't, I don't go to church. And, um, at that moment I was shunned. It was like, Oh, unclean. <laughs> yes. Do not yeah. touch. Do not associate. Do not touch. <laughs> she doesn't go to church. What? Um, so, uh, there was one little girl though, who befriended me and she invited me to her church program, um, for kids. And it was there that I was first presented the gospel. Um, it was definitely a gospel of, you know, you've fallen short of the glory of God. Um, just like all man has, a human beings have, and you have this sin and the sin is leading you to eternal damnation. Um, mm -hmm. But there is an answer in Christ and there's this gift in God and uh, there's eternity in him. And so, you know, the, Atonement was definitely described as a um, transactional type of thing where Christ had suffered on my behalf um, and taken that sin to the cross. And if I put my faith in Christ, that I would um, be assured of heaven. And at that time, as a third grader, <laughs> when I was, I think I was like 10 years old, um, although that was the presentation, which was definitely embedded with a lot of fear. I still in the middle of it had a very real personal encounter with Jesus. And so I can see um, even before that, even before that knowledge of scripture that was handed to me, um, the relationship with uh, the proper church was initiated. Um, I always knew, I always felt God. And now that I know him even more intimately, I can look back and see that God was always in my life. Um, I was a child that played in the woods. Um, I was blessed to grow up in uh, a rural, like an area that had a lot of woods and stuff like that. And I, I genuinely don't remember playing with toys. I don't even, I, I remember a few Barbies that had been gifted to me. <laughs> um, but my, I was in the woods every day that I could possibly be. And I never felt alone. Um, because I knew that there was life around me and I felt the spirit around me at all times. Um, and when I came to know Christ, I think that um, I recognized it just in a fuller way. I was like, oh, I know this, I know this spirit. Yeah. Um, and so I'm thankful that that still felt familiar to me. Um, but I was definitely then brought into a situation where you know, it was very much an assimilated, um, white, uh, Western Christianity. Um, mm -hmm. so that's what I grew up in. And then I went to, um, Bible college, um, to a place that, uh, I have fond memories of, but there was definitely a ceiling there. There was a cap. It wouldn't allow women to, uh, this particular denomination didn't allow women to minister. Um, and so I outgrew 
<laughs> very quickly outgrew um, that that spot. And that's where I met my husband um, and we became co-pastors. But it was during that time in college that um, I started to feel this tug back to my traditional ways. And because of how the Christianity that was handed to me, I struggled and I wrestled because I thought that that call was a temptation. And I mistook that call to, to be Mattapanai, fully Mattapanai, um, and fully a lover of Jesus. I mistook that as a temptation because I had always been shown that we were evil and the things, everything about us was, was evil. So that was a really a struggling time for me. Um, and I kept it to myself, but it was a day and night thing. It was what I woke up thinking about. So I went to bed thinking about at this point in my life, I was getting very close to my cousins. Um, I was reconnecting with my tribe more. Um, and I was reading and, um, I don't know, finding, finding indigenous communities, uh, things like that. And, I really, really struggled because I loved Jesus with all my heart and I felt like I had to choose. And it short, long story short, I came to a moment where um, I was about to lay it all down. I said, you know, I was praying one night. I said, Jesus, I need your help because I love you fiercely and you've, you really have saved me from a lot. And I'm, I'm leaving a lot out of my story, but my past has a lot of um, trauma and harm. And so I'm thankful that Jesus has forgiven me, but he's been more of a savior than just from my sins. It's been Um, he's rescued me from the deepest, darkest parts of hell that, you know, Mm -hmm. came into my life and healed me in many ways. And so I was like, God, if I have to give you, I won't give you up. So if you want me to be Manipani, let me know. But if you want me to never look back, you know, let me know as well. And, um, that night I had a really powerful prophetic dream that changed all that for me and, um, showed me that God and his infinite wisdom and creativity, um, chose to create me as a Mattapanai woman. And that was not a mistake. And that he actually gets glory when I fully live out who he created to me, me to be, um, mm. in connection with my people. And that of course there's things in every culture that needs to be redeemed, um, and doesn't, uh, align with the higher way of Christ, but <laughs> our songs, our prayers, the way we dress, our language, what we eat, all of those things um, are glorifying of God when we live in them. So uh, that is probably the flyover version, but there was a time where I wrestled and I no longer wrestle. Um, I'm fully mad Panay and fully a follower of Jesus. Mm. That's, that's very, like, I, I could listen to that story and listen to your, to your gentle way of speaking your truth. Uh, for like three hours and and what do you tell someone because many of us have I am Kikuyu Um, Mm. many many of us uh, many listeners have multiple identities what do you tell um, someone who's struggling or who's maybe at the start of the journey that you were in a long time Mm -hmm. ago, what do you tell them? Yeah. I, I would tell them to, trust that creator is good. And I use that name for God intentionally. Um, that you and your people were created intentionally um, and for a purpose and all nations of the earth collectively um, embody the image of God. Mm. And we cannot say to the Kikuyu, Mm -hmm. is that your people? That we don't, that we don't need you because Mm -hmm. you bear the fingerprints and evidence of a thoughtful and wise and beautiful creator. Um, and without you, we don't get the whole picture. Um, I would say divest from white supremacy uh, that says that there is a normal and there is a center and it is whiteness. 
yeah. and that everything else is in obscurity and is um, perverted in some way. Uh, that is that is a lie. Um, <laughs> that is a lie. And so I would say, begin to find the ways that your culture, trust that your culture honors God. And a culture has become a dirty word. It's kind of like the, the F word of Christianity. I've even seen you know, mm. t-shirts and current, um, sermon series from, you know, fellow believers who are like death to culture and Christ over culture and Jesus over culture. And I, I, I think what they're intending is to say the culture of the world. When we think of worldliness, mm. uh, like today we'll talk about empire. And I'm, I'm, I think that's what they're saying is the things that aren't of God, the things in our cultures that don't uh, glorify God and don't cause unity between people. But it's not what everybody hears. And so when we are, it also it, it also sounds like it's usually coming from, from whiteness, a place of whiteness that sees themselves as neutral and maybe in this cultureless bubble, like mm-hmm. they don't have their own location there. Um, but when I think of culture, I hear language. Yeah. Um, I hear food, which instantly makes me think of our lands. And I think yeah. of the gifts of God, like the food that your tribal people eat was a gift of providence. Um, and your relations comes from your relationship to the land. And so when my people, you know, when we eat corn, when we eat beans, when we eat squash, um, when we, you know, burn our sacred medicines, those types of things, we are thinking immediately it draws us back to creator um, Mm -hmm. and puts us in a place of gratitude and connection. Um, And so all those things are, are good and can uh, be used to love God and to love people, um, our greatest commands. So I, I just, um, I, my, my thing would just be to trust that Jesus was there from the beginning and is in it all and to go, to go find Jesus and all of it. Um, and to not not allow whiteness to cause you to reject it. Nsingi is a Swahili word meaning foundation. Our name and mandate comes from Psalms 89.14. We host engaging conversations on faith, social justice, and advocacy across all our social media platforms. We also offer training and consultancy services to help you navigate the world of social justice and faith. To engage with us, visit our website, www.msingitrust.org Follow us on all our social media handles at msingitrust or email us on info at msingitrust.org Yeah, and I think for me the gift of uh, book studies with Inverse is especially when we learn from indigenous uh, authors mm-hmm. and, um, and the, the conversation about that God, uh, God is everywhere. God, Creator, mm-hmm. has revealed God's self yes. to all of us, and so there is no no one community, no one race that has um, monopoly over God mm-hmm. and who God is and how Amen. God has revealed God's self. Mm-hmm. And that all of us, as you said so beautifully, if we do not express what God, if we don't express ourselves in the way God has has put us here, mm-hmm. we are denying the world an image of God, a representation right. of God. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me yeah. think of even the birds of the air. Um, one of my favorite birds is a dove, and because of its song that it sings. And I remember it from my childhood, you know, I said in the woods, so I was familiar with a lot of, not a lot of names of plants and animals because I was a child, but I knew them in different ways, almost more intimate ways. And so I, um, when I moved to this new location, I'm about 12 hours from my home. Um, <laughs> and so I'm in this new place and it's very, very different landscape wise. And even with the animals that are here and one day I went out onto my front porch to just spend some time um, in nature and just be with God and to pray. And I heard this dove singing and it immediately is the first time I'd heard a, this dove in my neighborhood. Um, and I immediately drew me back to my childhood. Like I, it was, it was like, I was there. And I think 
that song that she sings is mm. unique to her and yeah. um, is a gift to this world and is so sweet. And when we shut off Indigenous voices, it's like a song that no longer gets to be sung. Um, mm. It's an anthem mm-hmm. to the Lord. It's a way that we praise we praise God through yeah. um, who he made us to be. Um, mm. And so what would we do without doves in the world? You know what I mean? Like, I, um, and so, yeah, I'm, I think we just like you, like you, you know, reflected, uh, we are the image of God collectively, the, we, the whole, <laughs> we are the image of God. And, um, yet, mm. yet we, we, we extract from each other, mm-hmm. you know. We are the image of God, yet we create laws, policies, mm-hmm. um, divisions that um, reign over others. Mm-hmm. We are, we are, today as we are recording this conversation, uh, the the thing that's most on the news is the is the Afghanistan um, what would you like I don't even know what to call what's going on hum- humanitarian <laughs> crisis I mean it's um, it's it's so yeah, many things it's, so many things it's it's the military industrial complex um, mm. that span over hundreds of years it's imperialism it's colonial colonialism it's patriarchy it's mm-hmm. domination it's and that's not only in afghanistan as it's happening it's in um Turtle yeah. island uh also known as united states of america it's in Africa, it's in um, Asia, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's in Australia um, and all the policies there. When we look at the world, there seems to be a power mightier than people, a power mightier than the goodwill of people. There is a greed, there's an extraction, there's that that wins sarah yeah yeah that's honest <laughs> it wins it's if and today as we're recording this with all the crises around it it feels like it's winning right yeah it feels like it's winning and we when we were talking about what to record we i think we 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 shared what was in our hearts and it was the same. What do we do when the when empire is winning? When mm-hmm. um when Caesar is Lord? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. When when the bad guys are the good guys, are the are what everyone wants to be. When um when less than a month ago, uh, Jeff Bezos was launched into space and he thanked Amazon workers who he doesn't pay, who he doesn't want them to unionize. What do we do um, when, when the South, the, the global North, the, the ones that used uh, the global south uh, resources to industrialize, and the ones that mm-hmm. are that are responsible for more than seventy percent of the of the carbon emissions mm-hmm. cannot um, want to play to play with the lives of people during COVID and say some people are worth vaccination and others are not. How? Yeah, and you could you could keep talking, and you could keep going yes. on and on. I can go the, on, on and I, on. 
Yes, I can mm-hmm. go on with so many things, but I also want to bring it back home to our homes, to our houses. Yeah. Where gender-based violence is so rife. Mm. Where women are dispro- uh, disproportionately killed in their homes. The statistics are that uh, you, you are, the people who rape you are known to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we deal? And, and how do we deal with it? And also how do we, how, yeah, how do we deal with it when it seems like it's all happening all at once? Yeah, those are, I think those are questions that everyone has on their minds. And some of them, I think some of us are afraid to articulate them because once they're out of our mouth, they demand answers. And um, we quite frankly are afraid that there might not be answers to these questions. Um, And you, you speak of things that are global, but yet, like you said, it's very much at home. Um, I think of my people and the other indigenous people across this land right now who are experiencing issues with land rights, still having their lands dispossessed, um, who do not have clean drinking water. Um, and the one of the richest nations in the globe. Um, and yet we have deep, deep poverty in little pockets um, on reserves from the original people of this land. Um, I think about the river that's outside of my house that uh, at one point in time, that was the gift of God that everything in this place could have life and we could dip our hand into the water and just drink freely. But now is full of um, E. coli and human waste and farm waste and um, is poisonous. And there's signs everywhere to not eat the fish um, that you catch. And that has come at the hands of empire. Um, I think about the women in my own tribe and other tribes who um, are harmed and resourced as well. Uh, Yeah, I I have um, an indigenous elder that's near to me and dear to me. And she uh, said, how we treat the land is how we treat the women. Um, Mm. And there's a connection to that. And if land is, uh, can be commodified, if land can be owned, if land can be extracted from, if land can be harmed, if land can be um, completely depleted until death, until it's fallow and barren, um, that is how we treat our women. And that is the, the story of uh, so many women, um, indigenous women here. And so, you ask these questions and um, they're the same questions I've asked. And I even hear you say like, when Caesar is Lord, what do we do? And I'm excited to talk today about the good news. Um, (laughs) And it almost sounds like a joke when you say that, like, oh, there's, is there good news? (laughs) When there's so much bad news, like we need some good news. Um, But And I touched on it a little bit in part of my testimony and my story, but we we need truly good news, (laughs) not not the news that, you know what, this earth might be terrible, this world might be terrible, but one day we'll be in heaven and all things will be made right. But what is the good news when we are in hell now? Um, Mm, Yeah. What is there? Is there good news that expands beyond a faraway place in a time um, that's ahead of us? Um, is mm-hmm. there is there heaven here on earth? Is there good news here? Um, and that's really what the earth is burning for. And so when you say, you know, about the earth, I'm considering even creation, the creation that is also affected um, by empire. Um, and so I think today I'd like to start by talking about a more expansive gospel. Um, mm a good news that is beyond um, the singular purpose of you're free from your sin and you have a ticket to heaven. 
mm-hmm. um, while we wait at the gates of hell, you know, <laughs> and you know, that long black train keeps passing us by and keeps, you know, all these things, but we've got our ticket so that I, I want to know that there's more than just a ticket out of here. Yeah. Um, and to an indigenous person, mm. is that really good news that mm. don't worry, we're going to get out of here when here mm. is, and has been our Eden and has been our place that we've known God and has been our source, our fount. Um, you know, the earth has provided for us and there was once a time of harmony um, and God walked with us in the cool of the day. Um, yeah. what, that might not be good news to an indigenous person's ear. And what is the good news to the Afghan woman right now who is running for her life with her children and displaced from her land? Would it be good news to tell her, woman, your sins are forgiven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that, that's not what we want right now. What I want is safety. <laughs> right. Is, right. Yeah. But yeah. That, is the, that is the gospel that I was presented and so many were presented that um, your sins are forgiven and there is a ticket out of here. Um, and don't worry, this world will burn away. And I do believe that the gospel, that forgiveness is part of it, of course. Um, but when I think of the gospel, I think of Jesus coming to the earth, um, drawing near, coming in, not coming out, not divesting from, but investing in, embodying a woman. Uh, think of the drawing near of the intimacy of a God who would come in the womb of a woman Uh, would walk this earth, um, would draw near to his disciples and the people of his land who were under Rome Mm. Mm. Um, and announcing a new kingdom. And that's the good news is there is a new kingdom and it's everlasting and it's higher and it's greater and it's here. Um, Even in this darkness, um, there is a new kingdom and that's what the gospel uh, just a expanded view of the gospel should be. And Jesus talked about the forgiveness of sins, of course, but then he spoke, you know, his sermon, um, on the Mount and he basically laid out what this new kingdom would look like and how we can function in it as citizens of this new kingdom. Um, even while under empire of empires of this world, um, it's this inauguration Um, of Jesus being the reigning king of this new kingdom. And that's really the gospel is the good news is the announcement. I think of a town crier coming through the streets. The king is here. A new king is here. Long live the king. Um, That's, that's the gospel, but it's not often what has been presented. I'm curious when you were taught the gospel and first presented it, was it solely narrowed down to your sins are forgiven and heaven is yours? Or were you introduced to a new kingdom? I think for me, I've, I've, I try to see, because I'm, I'm a weird child in the sense, (laughs) (laughs) in the sense that how I process information is so very different because even when there used to be those Jesus movies or the, the passion movies, Mm-hmm. where hell was uh, left, the left behind series and all yes. of that. Yes. That has, had, has never inspired me to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so like all of this is happening. Actually, the reason I went to Sunday school was because my friends were there and we had fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you could run away from home for you know, on Sunday and <laughs> keep out on chores. <laughs> Right. (laughs) That's the reason um, I went. But how, for me, the reason I connected with Christ was in high school when Jesus was introduced to me as friend. Mm. That's a beautiful place to start. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so for me, it has never been this care tactic. It's never been hell. It's never been brimstone, even though, it was all over, but I never connected with that. Mm-hmm. 
you know how people like I don't know if you have that where kids say they got saved 20 times because you you go to yes to a service <laughs> and then you're told oh my gosh we burn and so you uh-huh. get saved again uh-huh. so it's I I didn't have that and so for me my introduction to Christ and to Jesus and to the good news was a friend and it was at a time where I really needed the affirmation of mm-hmm. someone who would be my friend but the reality of the gospel that's peddled, and I use peddled intentionally, because mm-hmm. it's um, it's hoped as uh, as what you need. You desperately need this package yes. to get out of this thing, this yeah. messy world. But then it doesn't address the mess. It doesn't Same. address. It doesn't address the pain. It doesn't address the the injustice within the church itself, the institution of the church itself. And so you see, you see the gospel as a tool, as for many, mm-hmm. is a tool for so many things that are not good news to the mm-hmm. to the to the people whom when Jesus opened up the scroll the good news was for those particular people mm-hmm. and i think also it's because we never see ourselves as the blind we never see ourselves as those that need our eyes to be opened we never see ourselves as uh, the broken hearted but we aim to be to be the ones that the ones that break hearts. Yeah. Because it's a place of power. It is. Yeah, I, and I I recognize um, and I like just amplify that thought that the gospel based in fear doesn't address the things that are going on in this world. And that, um, that's why today I hope we can talk about this more expanded gospel and this other kingdom um, because the prior gospel that says, you know, you need this forgiveness so that you won't go to hell, but instead will go to heaven mm-hmm. um, makes me think of that statement. I don't know if it's something familiar to your culture or not, but it says you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard that. Um, I think it can bring us to that place um, of being so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. And to even further than that, we can actually do harm to earth. Um, I hear when when Christians stand up for the rights of the earth, um, for, you know, ecological justice. I hear other Christians who say, don't worry about that. This place is going to burn. Jesus is coming back. It's all worthless. It's all going to be destroyed. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Just tell people the gospel. And what they mean is just get people into heaven um, so they can get out of this hell. And I, it really, that gospel leads to escapism. Um, and that's really kind of what we're talking about today is escapism. And <laughs> Jeff Bezos is kind of the poster child of that. Like, <laughs> Oh my, and he did that for less than 20 minutes. Like <laughs> <laughs> he was like, get me out of here. <laughs> Do you know I, I legit thought it was going to be like a week? Like that would make sense. 20 minutes. Wow. Wow. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around having enough money that you would pay for that for 20 minutes experience. Yeah. Anyway, but that that gospel of escapism is founded in get me out of this God forsaken place. Yeah. Um, but the true gospel that inaugurates a new kingdom is really welcoming heaven into this place. Mm. And those two viewpoints could not be more opposite. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is here, mm. when he prays um, in his prayer, um, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth mm. as it is in heaven. 
from an incarnate God who is walking the dust and the dirt of a people who are under Rome at the time and then showing them this is how you live in the kingdom of God when you are still under empire. That's a totally different gospel. It is. And it's a gospel that, that I feel that demands for us to, to do things differently as the church, as the called out ones. And you see, when we say called out, um, we are called out of empire. It's not that you're called out of earth. You're called yes. out of the ways that still kill and destroy, that mm-hmm. dominates. But then this, this expanded gospel, I don't know, like, it is the full gospel mm-hmm. in my in my view it is the gospel as it was meant to be the good news that it was meant to be and someone was saying which was funny that the good news to a poor person is stop being poor mm-hmm. the good news to a blind person is eyesight right the the good news um when when at the in Luke, when they say to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor is to proclaim the year of the Jubilee. It's, it's reparations. It's restoring earth, bringing, uh, having people uh, bring back land to the rightful owners. That's the good news. Yes. Yes, and that's what um, Jesus's lived ministry um, showed and embodied and he challenges us to continue that on so it changes this world from a god forsaken place to a god imbued place mm. um, and i god has always been interested in being here um <laughs> if we look <laughs> back through all of history um and i think that's important to note when we feel like where is god in all of this mess um when we think about like i said the god who walked in the cool of the day in the garden who Mm. um was a cloud by day and a fire pillar of fire by night who chose to now indwell people and christ said you know don't worry in this world you will have troubles but i'm going to bring you my peace and i'm also i'm sending you a comforter you will never be alone and now we carry the Holy Spirit and you're right to say that in this new kingdom, we are not inactive citizens. We're supposed to continue to carry out um, the charge that Christ gave us. And it's not to hand out tickets to heaven. (laughs) That's not our sole purpose. Um, We're supposed to embody these kingdom principles in the middle of empire. And that is the light. That is the salt. That is the city on a hill the hope that is the Eden in the middle um, of destruction. Mm. Sarah, what do you do when empire is Christianity? Mm. What do you Mm -hmm. do when wars are fought in the name of God? What do we do when, and this is the funny thing I've seen about uh, the the USA church. I'm very, I'm very mindful to not say the American <laughs> church <laughs> because America is a lot of, is, right. is a whole continent. When um, wars are fought in the military industrial complex, when, when you, when you, when you celebrate the soldiers right. who, who fought but what really you're celebrating is soldiers who've killed people in other countries, who've inhabited people, mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. Holy wars, just wars. Yeah. Which, which means holy killing of people, holy, holy raiding of people's resources. 
empire is so sneaky, isn't it? It's so stealthy. It can, it's so opposing to the things of God and the higher way of Christ. But yet, rightfully so, you admit that it's so infiltrated in the church, specifically in the church of the location that I'm in. Um, my people, the destruction of my people are a product of that poor theology. Mm. And I think the ecological crises that we're in, the um, humanitarian crises that we're in, so many of them are linked to poor theology. Mm. And we have to admit that yeah. it is. And so much of it is this escapism. Um, so the earth and the things of the earth mean nothing. It's all going to burn. Don't worry about it. We can do what we will. And that mm-hmm. just opened the door up for empire to say, then I, then I will <laughs> watch mm-hmm. me. I will, <laughs> then I will do what I want. And it's in, and it's part of the church. And so it makes me think about um, the story. I think it's in um, Matthew 13, where the Pharisees, I believe we'll call them religious leaders for the podcast. Cause I'm not quite sure at the moment. <laughs> I think it's the Pharisees are challenging um, Jesus. Yeah. And they ask him. Um, no, it wasn't in, where is it where he challenges them? Oh, it's Matthew 22. Matthew 22. He cha- they, he's challenged um, about the tax. And they basically say, is it right um, to pay this imperial tax? And this mm-hmm. imperial tax, it's important to know it's, it's Rome's tax that's levied against um, their subjugated people. So Roman citizens aren't paying this. It's just the people that they're oppressing and have subjugated that are um, <laughs> not only under them, but are also being taxed. And mm-hmm. uh, are you there now? Are you looking at the scripture there now? Um, yeah, I'm not uh, finding it. I'm trying to find not, it. I want to make sure. Let me make sure for our listeners that they can look at it too. I think it's Matthew 22. Let's get there. Matthew. I was, I was Googling it. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is where you, you should, you should know your Bible off by heart people. Uh, yeah. Is it 22? Okay. It is 22. Okay. So it says, um, mm-hmm. says, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They mm. sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him the denarius and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? I'd like to stop there for just a second um, Mm -hmm. when we ask, what does the church do with the empire that we are in bed with? Mm. Um, And the Christianity that is a tool in the hand of empire. Mm. I ask whose mark are we bearing? Is it the mark of the beast or is it in Caesar, (laughs) Um, Mm. which is marked by destruction, death, Mm. um, unfettered capitalism, um, all the things that (laughs) lead to decreation and are the opposite of God. Is that who's, Whose coin, whose face is on our coin? What are we dealing in? What mm-hmm. currency are we using? Um, and to interrogate that. Mm. Um, and Jesus goes on to say, um, it goes on to say that the Pharisees reply, it's Caesar's image. Mm. And we have to get to a place where we can um, identify that this is, this is empire. This is mm. the mark of the beast that we're carrying. Um, this is not the image of God. Uh, this is this is the opposite. And he says to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give mm. to God what is God's. Um, and I think that's a challenge for the church today 
to divest from, um, mm. to give back to empire what is empires, uh, mm. to remove ourselves from those things um, and to follow the new kingdom and use the currency that is in the new kingdom um, whose law is love and gospel is peace, um, who brings sight to the blind and freedom to those who are fettered um, and to live that out in the middle of it. So here is Jesus and he says, take your worthless coins. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have my own currency. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of uh, our chief Powhatan, um, my great grandfather, when the English first arrived on our shores. Um, we just saw them as humans, you know, that's uh, just, kind of, they were just, uh, they were just people and we had pity on them. Uh, yeah. It was a harsh, harsh winter. They didn't have what they needed. They were going to die. They were dying. Um, and so we fed them food. Uh, we taught them how to hunt and to fish and to be able to live on this land. Um, and even uh, was trying to attempt to make one of their leaders a part of our tribe and say, you know what, you can be one of us instead of being our enemies, we will draw you in, draw you near, we will make you a chief and your people can be part of ours. Um, But they wanted more, like Empire always does. Always wants more. Always wants more. It's a voracious appetite. Um, And they took and they would, they uh, would rape our women and children and enslaved us and sent us around the globe as enslaved people. They stole our lands uh, and they killed us. And there's a moment where Chief Powhatan gives this speech Um, And part of the speech, he says, why must you take by force what you can have through love? Mm. And that is the question that is an empire in our our mutual friend, Naya, um, of uh, uh, the dignity effect. When Mm. I told her that story, she says, well, that just sums up the whole Bible. Mm -mm. Why must you take by force what you can have through love? Yeah. Um, and so I think about the kingdom of God and what is our answer to the church who's in bed with empire? First of all, empty your coin purse, <laughs> shake it loose of this currency. And, you know, you know, that, that, that statement is in my heart. Why must you take by force what you can get through love is because love costs empire. Mm. Love and empire cannot coexist because because empire needs to consistently take and love. Love becomes the antithesis of empire. Mm -hmm. You know? That, That we can give, we can love without expecting anything in return is against empire mm-hmm. that that i can do a service for free or for butter butter trade without making a profit off of it is a threat to empire mm. that that when i have ex, uh, more that i can share with someone who doesn't have and they are not indebted to me that's a threat to empire. So foreign. Yeah. <laughs> so foreign to empire. Yeah. And it, it's it's crazy because, and as an indigenous person, it's it's bizarre to me that everything we need for life and liberty have been given to us for free by God through creation. Our water is pure, was once pure and free for all all of creation, um, our food was growing from the land and it was all, it was for all creation, but empire says, no, it's, I am God. Empire insists on being God. And Mm. wherever you see that idolatry, wherever you see that, then you see the oppression of people. And suddenly that, which is freely given, um, is is now costly. And Mm and to the point of taken away. And I see empire as decreation. Mm. Um, it breaks the sacred circle of life that requires rebirth and renewal. 
And even in that gospel that says, this place will be destroyed. You're going to heaven. That's your final home. We ignore the fact that the scriptures tell us about a renewed earth. Yeah. Um, And that as an indigenous person is much better news to me. I don't want Mm -hmm. this earth to be destroyed. I want it to be renewed. (laughs) I want it to be whole. I want it to be well again. What is the gospel to the salmon? What is the gospel to the rivers? If empire and it's bad news can have these negative effects on our ecosystem. What is, what is the gospel's effect? What is the king, the true kingdom's effect on our ecosystem? Should it not have a higher and greater effect um, on these things? If you've been inspired, challenged, and or enjoyed this conversation and would like to contribute to this and catch up with more of such, remember to follow us on social media at Trust. Share this podcast with your friends and family and also consider making a donation to support the production of this podcast. Donations can be made through PayPal, msingikenya at gmail.com, Patreon at msingikenya, or through M-Pesa, plus 254-792-176-030. Kwaherini, and thank you for joining us.